Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC 825. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, did you survive your hike yesterday? You are not with us on the East Coast right now. Uh, I wasn't sure whether you'd be making this show today. Uh, How are you doing out there as you take your son away to college? So I learned something that I wasn't aware of is that there are cacti in Colorado. For some reason, I thought they were limited to Arizona and stuff. So I went hiking. Uh, it was beautiful. Until? Uh, but until I was climbing some rocks and found uh, a couple of cacti, uh, which I have so far pulled 67 cactus needles out of my left hand. That's a, a PSA for me not going hiking to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's look look before you put your hand down. It should be the rule. So, but it it's worth it. I mean, look, if you hiking is not necessarily a sport, but it is it is something that is good for the soul. So, it, it's an amazing thing to be part of. This is just an example of how we both take different lessons from life. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, how is it out there? Your son is going to go to the University of Colorado. Uh, move in. Did Dad cry all his tears out now? Uh, almost all of them. Uh, we'll say we'll say final goodbyes today, uh, and uh, we'll be off back to back to Philadelphia and New Jersey. Well, good for your son, uh, Alex. A big part of this show for us, helping. What out. what I can tell you is their sports teams seem to be doing a lot better than ours between the Avalanche, the Nuggets, and the Rockies. Did you watch a bunch of the sports out there uh, with those? Of course, guys? I did. Yes. Okay. It's nice. It's it's nice to see a team whose bullpen doesn't blow it every five seconds. So you anytime you can watch baseball that you can watch beyond the fourth inning, it's really nice. You just want to make my head explode to start the show. So I actually Not want just, to get started. Just your head. How about a whole entire market of Philadelphia whose head is exploding at this point? I want to take a different angle on this though, because we saw this. <laughs> The unwritten rule. Wait, wait, wait. Is this going to be a positive angle that nobody else is taking at this point other it's than Joe Girardi? A, it's going to be a reason why you should never stop swinging because okay. you may have the Phillies bullpen. So this week we had the unwritten rules of baseball rear their ugly head again. You know how I feel about this stuff. If it's not worth being written down, it's not worth having. Anyway, Fernando Tatis hit a home run on a 3-0 pitch. Everybody got really upset about it. Uh, Jeff, what was the Phillies lead yesterday in the first inning of the game against Toronto? No, no, no. Not, not just the first inning, the first half of the first inning. Okay. What was that? Before they threw a pitch, it was seven, nothing. And a grand slam does not get you seven runs, correct? It only gets you four. I don't know. Maybe somewhere it does, but not, not on earth. So you would want to keep swinging in baseball because you may have the Phillies bullpen, which no lead is ever safe. Correct? Well, no, tec- technically you'd want to have somebody in a bullpen that could actually get out so that you can get out of a game with less than seven runs given up. They're not in this bullpen. And if there's something that we like in there that we've talked to on our minor league show, but it, it, it's just – Something has not happened right here because what wasn't this pitching coach supposed to be the answer? Well, isn't that what we were told? He's not a miracle worker. He's a pitching coach, Jeff. So, you know, I actually think some of the starters are pitching a little bit better, save Vinny, um, because he's Vinny. So I'll let you get into him. In a well, so explain to me what happened to Jojo Romero. They brought him up. He was here for a couple of days. They sent him down. He never threw a pitch. He brought him back up the other day, though. He hasn't thrown a pitch. And they brought him back up. He still hasn't thrown a pitch. Uh, 
apparently so what's the point? They're better than the person with a 20 ERA coming out of the, the bullpen right now. I don't get it. Uh-huh. And, and and the starting pitching is not helping the situation other than Aaron Nola. No, they're the not. Starting no. pitching has not been strong. Spencer Howard has not been as advertised yet. And and now we have a situation. It, it it doesn't surprise me that he's giving up some runs early. It surprises me the short lengths that he's going in games. And I don't know if that's him, if that's Girardi thinking that that's all he's got. I really don't understand why he's going 3.2 innings or four innings in an outing. You can't do that even when you're playing seven-inning doubleheader games. Maybe it's still a doubleheader, and you still have the same bullpen. So you have to trust him. Maybe he's just excited to get to the bullpen. He just wants to bring on the pain. Look, why? The, bullpen, the bullpen right now, their ERA after yesterday's game rose to 8.07. The 2005 mm-hmm. Rockies had an 8.74. The 2000 Blue Jays had an 8.24. The only two bullpens since 2000 to have an 8 ERA or higher through 21 games. Yeah, no and anytime, anytime. Has ever had a higher ERA through 21 games since 1938, Jeff. And anytime you're comparing your bullpen to the Rockies bullpen that plays a mile up in the air is a really bad thing. Oh, I need that Colorado Rockies drop right now. <laughs> Colorado <laughs> Rockies. <laughs> there's a Colorado Rockies drop? Yeah, there's definitely. I, there's one out there. I, I got to find all these drops that I have that now I can play with the system and get everything working. Uh, so the Phillies held a two-run lead through five. You love your toys, don't you? I do. It's, it's fun to be able to play with the sound and run up board over here, even though we have mm-hmm. stuff behind the glass over there and – he probably doesn't like it when I go play with sound effects and stuff like that because I'm taking his job away from him. <laughs> okay, though, we'll, we'll be nice. Um, they blew uh, runs in six in the seventh yesterday in game one. Then in game two, again, seven nothing lead. The first time the Phillies lost a game after scoring seven runs in the first inning since May of 1970, Jeff. These are not good things. Ah, uh, the good old days. Do you remember 1970? Uh, no, I, I I was still a thought in my parents' eyes. In fact, I probably wasn't a thought in my parents' eyes at that point still. Here's here's something even more amazing about this team. Their offense is leading the league in a, in a large number of categories. Other than Scott Kingery, the offense has been performing up and down the lineup, even guys that I don't think anybody anticipated contributing as much as they did, like Phil Goslin. I mean, the, the hitting on this team has been excellent, except, as I mentioned before, Scott Kingery, who's hitting 111, has zero home runs and one RBI. I don't get it. I asked, Something must be wrong. I know you I, you asked this once before about whether or not he's still suffering from the symptoms uh, or whatever was left over from his COVID exposure. I don't know the answer to that. He looks like a completely different player both at the plate and in the field. Uh, he just doesn't seem confident in himself and what he's doing. And I'm not sure why he's not actually getting more rest to think about it right now, because you can put Segura at second, you have Alec Bohm at third, who's actually played very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's coming up, including his defense. You know, you told, oh, and, and, you told and, me that, that he had worked on his defense and you, and you heard that, that people were not as concerned as initially. And, and that's sort of been as advertised too. And Roman Quinn has been healthy and played really well. Except for misplaying the balls in the outfield. But, yes, he's been playing very well. <laughs> I, I, I'd rather have Roman Quinn in the game offensively and defensively than Scott Kingery right now. 
I'd like Adam Hazley back healthy. Uh, that's still. But he's not. But he's not back. I'm. I'm yeah. giving you the guys that are healthy and can play right now. And Kingery's supposedly healthy and can play, and he shouldn't be in there. He, as you said, he should be resting. Philly's tied for last place in the NL East with a nine and twelve record. Yet they're still only three games out of first place. What a weird year, Jeff. It's, you know, as no, frustrating because as, as frustrating as it is to watch these games and be a fan, and as condensed a schedule as there is. Nobody's running away with anything right now. All these teams are just kind of beating each other. And so if they can figure it out, there's opportunities. But, I mean, it seems like they're sitting and praying that David Robertson comes back. And yeah, it just, again, I will ask, I don't know what management was thinking, putting together this collection of arms. And this isn't a new question. I've been asking you this question the whole offseason, the whole preseason, you name it, I've been asking you this question. What were they thinking with this collection of arms? I don't know. Well, you know what? Uh, let's talk a little more baseball because I, I think I can make your head explode when, when we're talking baseball again because I think we have Keith on the line. All right. So we'll leave baseball there and we'll head mm-hmm. to the bubble in Orlando. Keith Pompey, uh, I'm sure you're finding other games to watch because the Sixers Celtics are killing us. But how you holding up in the bubble there, man? I'm holding up. I'm holding up. I'll I'll be out of here soon. <laughs> I'm sure you're counting I'll down the minutes out. at this point. No, okay, so Keith, I, I haven't like started packing, but you know I'll be home soon. <laughs> well, the question is: should should you start packing, or are the Sixers going to figure something out? Is that really a question? <laughs> it's an attempt. It's an know, attempt right? at a question. Let's see if he's got an answer. <laughs> I don't think they'll figure anything out. And yes, I should start packing. The the thing is, I mean, this is tough for them today. Like, there's no team that's ever come back from uh, a 3-0 deficit. And when you think of being in the bubble and you think of that, I think that the some of the Sixers players will start packing if they lose tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, hey, man, being down in Orlando was nice, but it wasn't like I went to Disney World. You know, I don't have my family with me. Um, they're saying the season's going to start in December. I think I need to go away and relax for a couple months, you know. So I think that if they lose tonight, it's over. It's over. All right. All right. Well, Keith, the the last game was a was a train wreck. Somehow they were up in the first quarter, thirty three uh, by six points, and lost by twenty seven points. The biggest concern for me was what happened after they came back from halftime. Is that coaching? Is it coaching and a combination of, of the players that they have, or is it the players? They were outscored 33-18 in that third quarter there, Keith. I, I think it's a combination of both. Like, I, I think that right now it's been a rough year, right? I also think that, you know, we, we can go back and we can criticize Brett Brown, you know, and we're going to continue to. But it's been the same, it's been the same thing since the last three years. You understand? Like, Think about it. Every time in the start of the third quarter, they typically get blown away by the opposing team. Always happens. There's decisions that's being made, and we always say, oh, wow, I can't believe they did that. But we've been saying that for three straight years, and, and, they, and they kept them, you know. And, and then you look at the, the guys on the team, you know, they, they're trying to tell us how great the chemistry is and how everything is, is, is better, but then they look like a team that just flat out and quit in the second half, you know? So, you know, I mean, it's, I think it's a combination of the two. Okay, well, 
if the players are, are at a point where they might be flat out quitting, then isn't that partly coaching? Hasn't he lost this team? Hasn't he set the tone that this team is no longer listening, that they've tuned him out and that he can't motivate them? Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, you can make a, a very, 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 very strong argument for that. But but I also think that the whole situation, like, these guys just don't fit. They don't mix. You know, it's like you have a bunch of uh, close to max or max players, and a lot of these guys want to be the guy, right? A, a lot of it is, you know, you're getting players, and they're thinking that since they're going to make a lot of money that, you know, okay, I'm going to be a more, I'm going to have a more vital role, but everything is all about feeding Joel Embiid. And then some guys get a little frustrated with that because it's like, well, why did you bring me here if if, if that's what you're going to do, you know? So, yeah, you can say it, it, it falls on the coach, but I think it's also bigger than the coach. I think it's the team's culture. I, I think it's some moves that were made. You know, I, I think it's, it's, it's deeper than, than just Brett Brown. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I, I honestly do. I, I really do. It's deeper than Brett Brown. Because I'm think a- about this. As much power as you think a coach will have, right, you know, you got the star player staying staying with the owner during the pandemic. You have the night before a game, three your three best players at in the owner's suite at the Super Bowl. So when we look at it, how much power does Brett Brown actually have? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I'll ask you that. How much power does Brett Brown have if if these guys are so close to ownership? And and for that matter, how close? How much power does Elton Brand have if there's that direct line? Are, are these guys just kind of Brand and and Brown just floating out there now? I mean, I think Brand is. See, I think right now when you when you talk about Elton Brand, like a lot of people, like like whenever there's a problem, he's the one that you blame. You know, it's set up that Elton Brand is a front man. But when he was hired, remember, they turned down a lot of other guys because who had way more experience. You know, one guy, it actually led, I mean, two of these guys had championship rings as general managers or in the front office of somewhere. They turned them down and hired Elton Brand because they wanted a collaborative effort. So I'm not going to blame everything on him. And then, but basically with that being said, it lets you know that he doesn't have a lot of power. And then when you look at Brett Brown, it's hard to have power, especially in today's NBA, when you have your players who are very close to man um, ownership. Because what can happen is if a player doesn't like you, even if it's, if it's a star player, that player could go to the ownership group and say, hey, I don't want this coach. I want to be traded. It's either me or the coach. Well, people pay tickets to see the players play. So the coach is like basically, you know, he's at the mercy of the player and the ownership group. So, nah, they don't have power, no. The Sixers seem to have fallen in love with the big trade, getting guys that they could sign to Max, and now they have a whole starting lineup and even a six guy that are close to Max Max deals. Do we need somebody like Toronto's general manager? who has built a team, he has, he's gone out and gotten a star, but he's then surrounded them with players that he knows can fit certain roles and that they can maximize the talent. 
you know what? I think you need you got to start off and you got to get somebody like maybe who like the ownership group first because like you could have had someone like that, but I don't think they wanted that. You know what I mean? Like I don't think they wanted that. It, but yeah, of course. You know, you go out there and you get someone who can maximize talent. Now, here's the thing. You got to understand something like a couple years ago when when they went after LeBron James, like they lost in the second round of playoffs. They were they lost 5 5 5 oh, no, excuse me, in 5 games to the Boston Celtics. They went after Paul George. They went after LeBron. They tried to make a, a trade for Kawhi, right? They couldn't get it. But then they kept saying, we're going star hunting. We're going star hunting. So what happens is, you know, they go after Jimmy Butler. That doesn't really work out. And then they go after Tobias, who was going to be one of the, was one of the top free agent targets. And then they go after Al Horford a year later. So in a way, it's like I think what they did is, they wanted to win the press conference. Like, they wanted to say, we did this. And they never really took into account the, the pieces that were fit. And then also, you know, I think they gave up on some of the guys who they had. Like, look at a guy like Jeremy Grant, who's a quality starter. Well, he comes off the bench now for Denver, but he's proven to be a quality starter in this league, right? Look at Timothy Luwalu. You know, maybe he didn't progress you know, well enough for the Sixers, so they gave up on him. You know, the Sixers, everybody's saying who who's their who's their backup center, who could play the four. You know, look at um, you know, look look at T.J. McConnell as a point guard. You know, look at um, I forget the kid's name, but the kid from Bowling Green, who's now like the starting center for the Sacramento Kings. So when you look at it, they had these pieces, and they gave them all away. Like, they, oh, they didn't progress well enough, or, or, oh, well, maybe we can get someone else for this person. And the Sixers had it right there, and they gave it all away because they were trying to go star hunting. And when they went to star hunting, they never, like, took into account, like, are these guys going to fit in? Like, are we playing real basketball or are we playing fantasy basketball? And they got caught playing fantasy basketball. And now on their bench, all they have is, like, guys who they can get on a one-year minimum salary deal because that's all they can afford. So, you know what I mean? So I don't really blame it on the general manager as much as I blame it on, you know, the ownership group. I mean, I, I do because they're the ones who turned down um, these other GMs who have proven records because they wanted to keep a collaborative thing. So, you mentioned I'm Sacramento. sorry to be long-winded. No, no, it's good. I mean, you mentioned Sacramento, Rashawn Holmes out there. That's the player I think you were yeah. <clears throat> missing the yeah. name on. Thank you know, Landry Shamit, who's out there with the Clippers now. I mean, the list goes on. <laughs> you go with the ownership. Jeff went all the way back to uh, Vucevic being involved in the Andrew Bynum deal. I mean, you got players that the Sixers have drafted in this league that are playing that just aren't playing on this team. And then you got, like you said, going star hunting. You got Al Horford here who looks like one of those pieces that doesn't fit when Joel is on the court. He looks lost at times out there. He took three shots in 23 minutes in game two. How do they fix this? They have all these max guys now that don't seem to fit together. They seem to be in, in cap hell in terms of what they're able to bring in and sign. Um, do you have faith? You mentioned the ownership group. I don't have faith in who they put in here next. Cause like you said, they had the opportunity to get people with pedigrees 
titles, and they made the choice to put Elton Brand in there because they wanted somebody, I think, that they could play fantasy around. So what faith should the fans have in the ownership of this team to fix this problem? You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's Now, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, right now it's kind of like an embarrassing thing, you know, because they know stuff that we just talked about. I'm, I'm pretty sure they know it, right? So it's an embarrassing thing. Um, but if I'm a if I'm a general manager, you know, I would have to get a lot of assurance that I'm a have that I'm gonna be in charge, and I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna you know have final say on things. And then also it's kind of like you know I'm looking at some of these contracts, and I'm I gotta figure out like if I can trade some of these guys because even with that like you know I don't think that the Sixers next year we're gonna come out and say. Oh, you know what? The Sixers are going to battle the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets to come out of the East. I think that, you know, if you look at this team right now, you can argue that they're, they're going to be the seventh best team in the East next year. That's crazy. So so with that being said, it's one of those things where if I'm a GM, you know, I'm going to have to say, are we going to do a teardown? Are, are you going to give me um, uh, power? And then how many years are you going to give me as far as the buildup? Now, again, I know that sounds crazy because they do have Ben Simmons and they do have Joel Embiid and they have these max guys. But, you know, this morning I was looking at it and you got the Milwaukee Bucks who are going to be the Milwaukee Bucks. The Toronto Raptors have shown that they're a team that's going to be there to stay. Um, The Boston Celtics, their stars are 22 and 23. And and they'll have some money on the books next year, right? So that's the Boston Celtics. And then you have the Miami Heat, right? Then you have the Brooklyn Nets right there. That's five teams that I think are going to be better than the Sixers. So then you, you say, okay, is it going to come down to the Sixers and Indiana? And you assume that Indiana is going to be, you know, they're going to be healthy with Victor Oladipo Depot and people coming back. So those are teams that are – Six teams that are or six or seven teams, six teams who are possibly going to be better than the Sixers next year. So if you want to go out and get a GM, it's going to be one of those things where you know a he has to have faith in the organization, and b are you going to allow him to tear this up? You mentioned Embiid and Simmons. How do your stars react to that type of tear down? Um, I, I can see one of them trying to get traded, you know, trying to get out of here with that. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm wondering that how long do these guys put up with this before they ask for their turn to go with them seeing what everything's going on around them? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that could be, it depends on if they get swept this year. It depends on, you know, it, it also depends on like Joel Embiid's role, you know, if he's happy with it or not, you know, um, you know, Ben Simmons, like right now, you know, Brett Brown took the ball out of his hands, made him a power forward. You know, he, he said all the right things, but, you know, he's used to he's used to having the ball. I think it also depends on who the coach is going to be, the next coach next year. Um, there's a lot of things, but, you know, I, I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but I, I just don't see it. The way I'm looking at this team right now, you know, and I look at the cap space, I just don't see them being a contender. Keith, you mentioned Joel Embiid and whether he'll be happy with his role. I got a question. What exactly, what role does he, will he be happy with? I can't tell with him 
whether or not he wants to be what everybody else thinks he can be, which is a dominant player in the blocks who can, who can move outside every once in a while, or is he a guy who doesn't want to get all the way down the court and wants to stop at the top of the, the three point line? Um, I, I, I think he wants to be a little bit of both. I, I think that if he gets, I mean, the problem with Joel is like, you know, when you look at Joel play and we all see it, we all say, look at this guy, man. Look how big he, look how big he is. He needs to get down there more and he's not right. Um, so, you know, you say that and then they, they come up with the stats and he's leading the NBA in post touches, right? That's what they say. But also, Joel needs to just get a little bit more in shape to where he can stay there, you know. And then, but the, the the thing is, where he can argue is like, well, I'm shooting threes because there's no one. We don't have any spacing. The spacing is horrible, so I have to go outside because Ben won't shoot shoot the ball. But in the perfect world, you know, I, I think is a, a blend of both. You know, Joel is big, but he can. He can shoot the ball. He has great footwork. And I think he wants to do it all. He wants to be Mr. Versatile. But then again, that comes down to the coaching, right? Yeah. Well, so uh, you've had, you, the, the benefit of the bubble is that you get to watch other games other than the Sixers games. Tell me, if, if I could go back in time to last the end of last season and I could have traded Tobias Harris somewhere, gotten somebody other than Josh Richardson and we could assign Jimmy Butler. Where would the Sixers team be right now? I, I think if you would have kept this, even if you would have had Tobias Harris and if you would have had Jimmy Butler and you would have had J.J. Redick, if you would have brought that entire roster back last year and let's just say Greg Monroe, you didn't bring him, you didn't bring him back and you had Norvell Pell, this team would probably be up 2-0 on Boston. Or, no, this team would probably be up 2-0 on Brooklyn because they would be the number two number two seed in the East if you would have brought that team back. I, I'm going to give uh, get, let Jeff's uh, blood boil here. While we're watching Neto playing 15 minutes of the game yesterday, uh, Trey Burke put up 16 points in 17 minutes for the Mavericks. Uh what are you seeing from him out there? And are you watching any other games in the bubbles? Uh, you know, obviously Portland, the Lakers is the one getting attention. What are you seeing on other teams? You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm not one of those guys. Like, I'll, I'll go and I'll check out a game here and there. But I'm not, like, one of those guys who, like, I'll stay up and watch a game sometimes. But I'm not one of those dudes who just like, oh, I got to be at this game. You know, just because, you know, you, you're covering the Sixers and stuff like that. Um you know, I will say that um, Dane Lillard, like I voted for him to be first team all NBA point guard over Luca, and I know there were some of my friends who thought I was crazy for doing that, and now my friends are like, "Wow, dude, you were right." You know, and and so I see that. Um, I, you know, you look at the Lakers, and and you see a team, and you're saying to yourself, like, "Can LeBron do this every night? You know, carry this squad?" I mean, I look at the Clippers and I and I say to myself, like, this is the NBA champion. I think the Clippers are going to win the chip, and I think if the team that's going to represent the East is not going to be Milwaukee. It's going to be the winner of, you know, the Toronto Raptors, um, Boston Celtics series. I, so those are my things. But again, like, I'm not over there enough to, you know, watch the games and 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 to analyze all the teams. But 
you know, those are my biggest observations from the games that I saw. We see what it comes across like on TV. What's it like as a reporter to, to be in that arena? Obviously, empty, quiet screens. What's it like for fans who don't get to see the behind the scenes there? If you want to go to a nightclub, right, and like, and what I mean, you're sitting at, at you're sitting at a table, and they have the music on, and you're bobbing your head, you're bobbing your head, and instead of being at the sports bar and you're looking at the TV to see the game, the game is actually in front of you. That's what it's like. I mean, because what I'm saying is because when you get in there, it's like loud, like the music. I guess they don't want you to hear like the stuff that's being said on the court. So they have the music going and like you find yourself like, oh, I remember this song, bobbing your head. That's what it's like for the most part. Now, is other than that, it's kind of, of course, you know, it's a made-for-TV event. So, it, you know, the people – like fans at home is very fan friendly for them to uh to watch it. Um, you know, it's it's good. Like I like it, but you know, I feel like uh the fans in the Sixers Celtics series are being a little cheated because I know what it's like when you go to T D Garden and you hear how they boo the Sixers and they love the Celtics and vice versa. So from that aspect, I feel like not only the players are getting, you know, they're, they're losing the home court advantage, but I feel like the fans are being cheated in a part of history because whenever the Sixers and the Celtics play, you know, it's a huge game. Last question before we let you get to go, go uh, deal with the Sixers and hopefully a win. Um, what did you think of Adam Silver last night saying that the league season may be pushed back even beyond December? You know, I, I'm, I'm, we're not, I'm not really surprised. And the reason being is because you, do you remember when, um, like they came out with the December the 1st and, you know, it was like, okay, this is the drop dead date. And then all of a sudden it was like three days later, the players association was meeting and they had some concerns. And then there was a, a story from Michelle Roberts and it basically said like, no, we don't know. If like we we have some concerns with coming back that soon, and and you know I know he's saying that I mean twofold, you know you want to get the fans in there, but secondly, if you think of these guys are going every other day, and if the team like who wins the championship, like basically they'll win the championship and they'll have four weeks off before they start training camp again. So you know I, I think it's like a little bit too condensed, you know, from one season to the next. So I was always under the expectation that um, it was going to get pushed back. And the fact that they really haven't been talking about it, you know, about what the plan was for next season, it kind of let me know that they were going to push it back. Telling you, Christmas Day tip-off, Keith, where we got to go. Big quadruple Uh, letter, all-day games, that's where it should be. Keith, uh, always appreciate you giving us the time. Thanks so much. Uh, wish you safe travels. Uh, as much as you want to leave Orlando, we hope you stay for a couple more games. Uh, but uh, safe trip back, and thanks again, man. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. Jeff, uh, okay. We didn't intend to make that so negative on the Sixers, but – just, well, the Sixers did all the work. It's, it's, not, it's not like we made it negative. The Sixers have had nothing that you can look at in these two games and go, here's the positive that's coming out of it. Nothing has worked. And it, it can't all be blamed on the fact that Ben Simmons is hurt. They have 
more than one star on this team. And they have people that should fill in enough that they should be able to make this a competitive series. And they're not. They maybe have a competitive quarter per game. This is not a series. This may be the worst first round series in the NBA. Profound. Find, <laughs> find another one. F- find me a worse series. Uh, the, the one that you least want to watch the, if you were not a Sixers or Celtics fan. The, the Nets Raptors isn't enthralling at times, but all right. But you know, but you know what? I, I don't mind watching this Nets team and these young players. These young players, a lot of them are going to have to find homes next year because because half the Nets team is has opted out or was injured. But it is they're still exciting to watch. But Keith goes back to not just would these teams beating. Boston, but would they even be the seed? Would they be a higher seed playing a different team if they had a different mix of players? Uh, it does not look like it is fitting. And I don't think that I really have faith in ownership to get it right. And so I'm not sure where this team's going to be, but it just seems clear that the people who are going to walk off the court tonight in Orlando will not be the people that walk on the court wherever the games start next year. That that just doesn't seem tenable at this point. Well, you say that, but there's a problem. See, the problem with the Remember, Sixers I count been, the coach walking off the court, too. I know. But the, the problem with the Sixers has been, in my mind, is this fascination, this love of, as, as Keith said, uh-huh. winning the press conference, is winning the we made the big sexy deal. That only lasts for a couple of days. I because think, then uh, you have to play the games. And the problem is they made the big sexy trade in getting Jimmy Butler. And then they didn't keep him. They had to make another big sexy trade. And then they got Josh Richardson. Well, you, you at some point you have to stop and you have to let these guys play together. And as much as as Jimmy Butler can be abrasive, incredibly abrasive. He's a winner. Exactly. And do we care? whether or not he's rubbing some of his teammates the wrong way, if he's also motivating them to play better. And I don't think that Jimmy Butler – remember, Jimmy Butler basically did a little recruiting pitch that everybody got all upset about, about him coming down to Miami. So obviously Jimmy Butler and Embiid get along to some extent. Maybe Jimmy Butler being in that locker room for a whole season would have gotten Embiid down on the block more. Maybe Jimmy Butler wouldn't have let Joel do what he's doing and and wouldn't have let him be in the shape that he's in. Because right now, there's nobody on this team that leads. There's a whole bunch of people that just kind of do their own thing. And they have a coach that lets them do their own thing. They have a general manager that lets them do their own thing. There's nobody that's sitting there saying, all right, I'm the leader. You all follow me. Rather than trying to win the press release and make the big sexy trade, I'd prefer they try and win the title and get the big sexy parade. I'm just tired of these these short circuit hot shot things that, that don't come off because they're not building for the long term. They're they're look, everybody wants their team to go for it. But the way that they went for this clearly isn't working. It it's just not working. Yeah, but that's why I'm so jealous of the Toronto Raptors and the way they're running their organization. They they ran their organization by drafting. They draft really well. They went for it with Kawhi Leonard. But let's face it, they had a plan even beyond Kawhi Leonard if it didn't work out. It did work out. They won a championship, and then it didn't work out because they couldn't sign him long term. But look what's still there. They They had a vision and stuck to it, 
took a risk when the risk was needed, and then were willing to lose and then still figure out what was going to happen afterward. We just keep going out and getting stars, signing max, max deals, and trying to make it fit. There's no plan. It's just how do we sit there and win the newspaper headline? Jeff, I'm, my son is three. I'm teaching him shapes. On the big block with the little shapes, Yeah. star doesn't fit in the circle or the square. It just doesn't you don't, fit. And if really? It you, don't have, you don't have a big enough hammer that you can make it fit? doesn't fit, it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, you don't win. And so it's time for them to get some new pieces or figure out how they're going to put those pieces together differently. But we'll see what happens in the game tonight. I just, I don't have, I'm not excited to watch these games. I'm always excited to watch the Philly sports teams, but it's exhausting watching these Philly sports teams sometimes. Yeah, yeah especially when you're watching all these other games. So look at, look at the Miami Heat right now. They don't have superstars on that team. They have Jimmy Butler, who's a star. I don't know if he's a superstar. He's a great player, but he is not a superstar. Look at what they're putting around him. Them finding Duncan Robinson, who's who set, I think, the record this year for most threes by a rookie, it, uh, by an undrafted rookie. It's unbelievable to see how they found guys and, and how they make it work. And you see that on team after team. We didn't get a chance to talk a lot to Keith about about Trey Burke, but we had him here. He's not a star. He fits in, and if you let him do his thing, he can add value. But that's the problem. Trey Burke was here. He didn't get in the game. If Duncan Robinson was on this team, he doesn't set any records because he doesn't get off the bench. Neto's in the game for 15 minutes over Duncan Robinson. Yeah, and- but see – See, but the thing is, you have to have the vision to think even bigger than that. Duncan Robinson starts. They got an undrafted guy who in college was just basically a set shooter from one corner. That's what he was. Trust me, I watched every one of his games and somehow saw something in him to make him a a valuable player. He only shoots threes. He hardly ever shoots inside the three-point line, and they still find find a way to rotate the ball around space enough that they can get him shots. I think he was seven for eight the other day. Amazing. Jeff, we've got about 20 minutes left in the show. Where do you want to go? All now? right. Oh, I know exactly where I want to go. I Since know. we're talking about trades that do and do not work. Okay. And, and you have been on this high, high horse or this pedestal or whatever you want to call it about signing JT Rayomuta. Yes. You sent me something this week yes. that I assume is going to just Feed that flame. Sixto Sanchez comes up this weekend. Yes. I guarantee you, you will find a way to watch that game. Yes. He comes in and he hits 100, 101 time and time again. I will again, be you. Pitches five innings. I will be texting. Strikes at 11, walks two, and gives up a run. Your head's going to explode. Look, I know you're flying back on an airplane later today. But mm-hmm. my suggestion would be when Sixto is, is pitching, put your phone on airplane mode, okay? Just mm-hmm. let them all come in from me afterwards. You don't have to deal with <laughs> me while it's going on. Because if he comes in and pitches well, and I have to watch JT hit another home run while he's unsigned, and the price to keep him goes up every single at-bat at this point. Not even mm-hmm. at-bats, every single play. Because he's picking guys off at first base. He's picking them off at second base. He's making defensive plays. He's making offensive plays. It doesn't matter where you put him. He's making plays. He's one of the few Phillies that makes plays. 
and I'm going to have to watch Sixto now go pitch well. Yes, Jeff, I will be insufferable. Put it on airplane mode now. It, it, it appears that it worked. <laughs> yes, it definitely worked. Uh, anything else you want to hit on with baseball before we move on? Yeah, you know, for a long time, I thought Trevor Bauer was the most annoying man in baseball. Like him now. And I, and I have to say, I'm really enjoying Trevor Bauer and baseball, especially with everything else that's going on. Tell us and why. For people, for people that don't know, he decided that he was going to get shoes made that said, free Joe Kelly. And if Just people Joe don't Kelly. know Joe Kelly, he was suspended for eight games, or what was 20 games, for, was it eight games or 20 games? I don't remember. Uh, eight but he was just, it would which be. is the equivalent of 20 games 20. in a 160 game season, 162 game season, because he threw at Astros, which everybody else wanted to do. And MLB said, if he dare does it, God help him. Um, and Bauer then after the game offered the shoes to Carlos Correa. You love that. And then, yes. And then said, next time, he just won't give any notice before he's going to do it. Ask for forgiveness, not permission, Jeff. Always. You know, there is never anything good that comes out of the Cincinnati Reds, but I have to say I am really enjoying Trevor Bauer. Okay. So uh, you've, you've come around on that. You're coming around on a lot of things in baseball this year. What do you think of the runner starting at second, by the way, before we move on next year? You know what I think of that. And, and just, because, on you at all. just because you lost your stuff, I'm not. Uh, but the fact is, <laughs> I cannot stand the guy on second base. It is it is just the worst idea. Okay. I told you, I'd rather have a tie, and it hasn't changed. So you haven't changed your mind on that. Can I ask you if you no. changed your mind on something else? Sure. Do you miss preseason football? No. I so miss games. Come on, how can you not miss games on TV right now, even if they're terrible games, even if they're scrubs? Come on, Jeff. Here's the, here, because I'm being practical about this. Oh, stop I don't, being practical. Be a sports no, fan. I have no hope that there isn't going to be football. So I kind of don't miss it because my brain has oh, now been trained wow. to say there's not going to be any football this You're year. You're such Debbie Downer. There's not going to be college football. And I don't think there's going to be pro football That's unless something changes. That's not true that there's not going to be college football. There's it apparently – Says a, who? Well, the SEC commissioner and the ACC commissioner and the Big 12 okay. commissioner, they all believe there's going to be football, Jeff. They okay. are smarter than you, and they believe that there will be football. And the okay, Big well, 10, it made the wrong decision, and now you've got the, the guys like Lane Kiven out there saying, oh, you should let the guys from the Pac-12 and the Big Ten transfer now because you're not going to have a season. Go ahead. Go off, Jeff. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm going to listen to Lane Kiffin? That's the guy that I'm going to give say his name, and, and you would just go. <laughs> what I was waiting for is because there, there was some – I don't know where I heard it, but there was some scuttlebutt that, that Justin Fields' big announcement was that he was going to transfer back to Georgia, which I was waiting for. Because if that was going to be the case, you weren't going to get to say one word for an hour because I was going to go off about how Justin Fields supposedly gave the excuse that he transferred from Georgia to, to Ohio State because of racism in Georgia. So I, I don't think that you would then transfer back to the place that you made that claim. Justin Fields can make the claim that he wants to play. The players can say that they want to play. There's been a whole bunch of people, including players, that are saying they're scared of playing because they don't trust the people that are controlling all of this situation. We just talked about, I think, last week, Florida State. There were three players, and, and these guys aren't scrubs. These are guys who, who are stars on this team saying, we're a little concerned about this. We're not being kept in the loop. You have places like 
North Carolina. North Carolina is sitting there and dealing with the fact that they sent their students home. So exactly how in the world are they going to be able to be uh, playing football games? You have Penn State now sitting there trying to dance this little line saying that there wasn't a formal vote. I Let want me explain to explain something about this. Wait, wait, hold on. Let, before you go explaining it, let's just go for set it. the stage. Mm-hmm. So there's confusion in the Big Ten because a couple of athletic directors say it's unclear whether there was ever a vote or not on the Zoom call about whether or not they were canceling the season. And it's not just them. Minnesota president offered the same thing. We didn't vote per se. It's a deliberative process. But safety first, safety first. Go ahead, Jeff. These are cowards. These are guys that are trying to save their jobs or not be – they want to go be able to go back to their boosters and say, I didn't vote for it. They are adults. They sat in a room or on a Zoom call or whatever they did, and they talked it out. These are intelligent individuals who know exactly what they were doing, and they all came to a consensus. You can call it a vote. You can call it a consensus. You can call it whatever you want. They all went around a room, talked about what they wanted to do, expressed their opinions, and then finished the call with, okay, so we're all in agreement that we're not going to play, right? Right. That's it. Don't tell me that it matters whether or not you raised your hand or pressed a little button or did anything else. You are responsible for these actions and take responsibility. And quite frankly, it was the right thing to do. I mean, Penn State trying to make this claim, their athletic director, uh, Penn State, you might want to worry about the students on campus because apparently there's been a bunch of parties there. So maybe you should worry about your entire student body before you worry about trying to dance this little line with boosters and say we didn't necessarily vote not to play football. At least Krzyzewski honest about it. He came out this week and said there had to be an NCAA tourney because it generates 90% of the revenues for the NCAA and, and it, they need to have it. So at least he's not about it that it's revenue. Or what? We need to have the t- he said we need to have the tournament. We can't have it where two years in a row you don't have the NCAA tournament. He didn't say or what. Uh, the or what is that these programs collapse because they're built on the revenues from having fans in the stadium, from having television revenues, from having games being played. And it, it is not sustainable for them to exist and not have these revenues the way that they are all structured. Okay, well, you know what? He may be right that it means this may be the end right now for college sports. And nobody loves college sports more than I do. There is nothing I enjoy more than Labor Day weekend going to see a Michigan football game or traveling to go see a bowl game or going to see college basketball or hockey or whatever it is. But the fact is we're in a unique time right now. And if it means the safety of the students that there is not college sports, then we'll pick it up when all this is over. I'm sorry, Mr. Krzyzewski, that's not the most important thing right now. College sports is not the most important thing. College athletes, student athletes, that's the most important thing. Uh, Jeff, we've got about 13 minutes left. I know we want to save a little time at the end. Do you want to go NFL or NHL next? NHL. There's nothing. What, what do you want? Okay, so you want to do NFL quickly. Go ahead, do it quickly. There's nothing to talk about. There go are for things. Um, they're going back to part-time refs again. Sticking with that, they declined an option to reinstate full-time officiating. Would you like me to just bang my head on the desk about that one? A gazillion-dollar industry themselves that now people wager on in another gazillion-dollar industry. But why have full-time professionals there to make sure that you got the best quality when you're making these decisions? No, why do that, Jeff? 
full-time refs have a hard time, hard enough time. Now you're going to make them part-time so that they're open to more criticism. How much do you save by doing this? Uh, I don't know. Really? With all the money, the, if the NFL does play this year, which I'm telling you, I don't think they're going to, I don't see how this amount of money is worth doing this. I, I don't either. I mean, you remember what happened when they had the substitute refs out there. I, I just, it opens you to, to questions that you might be able to close the door on when they're part-time refs and, and not just dedicated to the league to call games. A little bit of a roller coaster in Washington this week. Uh, part of the owners are still looking for Dan Snyder to sell. Um, Ron Rivera announced that he's been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, apparently is going to try to still coach and come up with a treatment plan. Um, so there's that part of the roller coaster down for Washington this week. Uh, but on the other side of the roller coaster, you want to talk about something inspiring. And look, I'm, I'm not a Washington fan, of course. I'm an Eagles fan, but I root for people. Alex Smith comes off the physically unable to perform list after 17 surgeries, almost lost his leg. Don't know if you saw the E60 that they did on his family. If you didn't, mm-hmm. highly recommend you go catch it. Um, but you know, And they, there was some video online about his family spraying champagne all over him when he officially. It was a great moment. You know, those are the things that you see, and it's like you realize it's not just the athlete goes through it. It's the family that goes through this with them, and he's back on the field, and, and you got to root for somebody like that, just not when he's on the field against the Eagles. Okay, so here's my here's where I have my dilemma with this. All of what you said is heart-wrenching. It's, it's touching. You want to root for them. He's had 17 surgery. Do you and, and he has every right to if if they these doctors clear him to go out and try. Do you want to see him take a hit? I don't. I'm concerned I, I, about it. <clears throat> I, I I can honestly say that and and I don't like the Washington football team to begin with, so I won't want watch their games anyway. But if if it was a team that I wanted to watch and Alex Smith or somebody that I wanted to do well, which I do, I don't think I could watch a game because. You're going to be all you're going to be watching is for the first person that hits him in the leg or the first time is the offensive lineman rolls over him and and the tragedy that could potentially happen. I just want to stand up. It's hard. I'm telling you that it has been harder watching football the last few years because of the concussion issues. Honestly, I, I mean, it's the first thing I notice is where somebody's head is hitting or where somebody's hitting someone. And now you have the issue with with this kind of thing. And, and I'm scared for him. Good. Sorry. I just, we only have eight minutes left. I know we want to say a little bit at the end, so let's move on to the NHL real fast. Flyers are up three, two in the series. Carter Hart stood on his head in games three and four, went 122 minutes and 53 seconds into game five and uh, into game six without, or game five without giving up a goal. Uh, Flyers went ahead three, one, um, but the, the, you know, they ended up losing game five, game six tonight. How are you feeling about the Flyers right now, Jeff? I think that this is going to be the game they wrap it up. I think Carter Hart had kind of a, a dud in his last game. But after watching him those last two games before that, I, I can't tell you how many times I said, okay, we finally have a goalie. This is the guy that's going to be here, knock on wood, as long as he's healthy, for 10 to 15 years. You now have solved the major problem of the last three decades. You now have your goalie, and you have young players around them. Series is getting very physical. Uh, Matt Niskanen suspended a game uh, for a hit, a cross-check that broke Brendan Gallagher's jaw. He'll be out. Uh, The Flyers clearly don't like the little 
tapping on the head of Carter Hart that Montreal is doing. Uh, what do you expect to see tonight? Oh, I expect it to get even chippier, especially if the game gets out of control. So if the Flyers go up three or four goals, or even if Montreal, which I think is unlikely, but even if Montreal goes up by that, that game gets really ugly. I, 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 this better be a close game for the NHL sake, because otherwise there's going to be sticks and, and, and fists flying. I have loved watching the NHL playoffs. There's nothing like NHL playoffs. Ha, have, have you fallen in love with Elaine Vigneault as a, as a coach? I had I did long before the playoffs. So if I didn't, uh, his comment about Brendan Gallagher's height would have made a lot of people like him. Now, me, on the other <laughs> hand, I'm not tall, so I don't like short jokes. Yeah. But he said that Brendan Gallagher's height might be the reason that he got the hit that he did. <laughs> Anybody who's above my height probably appreciates that. Me, not as much. Yeah, and, and a lot of hockey players are short, so I don't know why he decided to take the shot at him. But it was amusing to see, to see him defend his player that way. Jeff, got about five minutes left. Uh, let's talk about the show a little bit. The, the radio industry is a funny business, and uh, we've been able to be on first 610 AM Sports, then 610 ESPN now. This is our fifth year uh, for our listeners who didn't see the news yet this week. Uh, Beasley Media Group on the station is selling to iHeart Radio, leasing it for a couple of years, and so the ESPN part of the station will go away. Uh, we're going to be figuring out where we're going next. We're going to still be on the air someplace, and we'll make sure to let you know. But, Jeff, let's talk about the show a little bit in the last five minutes. Uh, it's been fun to do. We're going to keep doing it. Uh, we've enjoyed doing it with ESPN with the guys and girls behind the glass in the studio. Let's talk a little bit about it. I mean, first, let's thank everybody that's been involved with the show. It, it takes more than just you and I and, and, and our prior uh, co-host to, to do a show like this, and, it, and it's been a real pleasure doing it with this group of people. Um, it's, it'll be interesting to, to do it in a different location if, if that's what we decide to do. Um, but it's, it's been a ride. I mean, we've, I, I don't know, you used to keep track of how many interviews that we've done on the show. And it's, it's over 400 interviews now between our shows that we've done. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things that, that I think both of us are most proud of is, is that we're, we don't do a show where people just call in and start screaming and saying that some things that are negative is that, that we have, We've interviewed so many interesting people about so many interesting things that it's not just it, it's always related to sports, but it's not just about sports. It's about the love of sports. It's about sports as a platform. And especially over these last six months with everything that has gone on, it's been an opportunity to to share with with our listeners the the different perspectives and to help people come together. I mean, to me, one, one of the, the best guests that we've had over these years and we've had them on multiple times, had whole shows dedicated to the issue is Doug Clanville and, and the way that he talks and, and the perspective that he brings to this issue. And, and he's one of those people. Same thing with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, having him on and not talking to him about his amazing records, but talking to him about what he's doing, the way that he was get auctioning off his memorabilia for literacy projects. It, it's incredible the things and the people that we've been able to talk to. You in the years have slept out for homelessness to raise awareness. We've had people on talk about eating disorders. We've talked about athletes using their platforms, rights, uh, special needs in sports, uh, we really have tried to, to find the story and tell the story of sports and, and let that narrative be out there for people. And, you know, you 
you you mentioned some of the guests. I, I, I go back to the Armless Archer, Matt Stutzman. I mean, that's that was so cool to talk to him and and hear about his journey and the challenges he overcame. The the women's soccer team members we talked to, and look, the places that you and I have gone to to cover games and things. And look, we're not doing this as the show's over. We're going to keep doing the show, but we wanted to make sure we put a little end cap on this on on six ten ESPN because we've enjoyed being a partner with them, being on an ESPN station. Um, like you mentioned, we appreciate everybody in the studio. We don't want to name them all because we don't want to leave people out. But, um, you know, it's been fun to to get some of these different guests and to to hear some of the different stories and, and to learn about people, not just their play, but the people behind the plays that they make. And did Did you ever think that you would interview a woman who learned to play golf in Nepal who was brought up in a shack. No, I, I mean, I never thought that I'd do half the things we'd do. I, I used to joke with you when we started this show that this was my kid dream to, to be able to talk sports on the radio. And I had no idea why somebody gave me a mic to do it. And so it's been, it's everything I wanted to do when I was the 13 year old that called into the station and said, the Eagles should draft uh, Warren Sapp instead of Mike Mamola. <laughs> it's everything that I wanted from that time to be able to then bring it forward to now tell those athletes stories on the radio and do it with you where we get this banner back and forth and really get to try and make a difference for people. Yeah. And you, you didn't get, yeah, but you weren't on the air to talk about Mike Mamula pulling his pants down. So I am glad about that. Although there's nobody that I would have wanted. There's nobody I want to do the show with other than you. I did tell Mike Mamula that I made that call when I met him, <laughs> his response to me, you weren't yeah. the only one. <laughs> That's what he said to me. Uh, Jeff, we're in the last minute. Uh, uh, we, we may be on 610 next week. We're just not 100% sure when the, the move is going to be made. We'll make sure to keep people updated. You can follow us at The Heart of Sports on our Twitter account. You can follow us on our Facebook page, uh, The Heart of Sports, uh, with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We're still going to put out our videos and our podcasts, so you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you want to find us. Uh, Jeff, any last thoughts? Look at you. I'm going to bring you back a cactus. Uh, are you going to get the, the <laughs> thing stuck in your hand again? No, I, all the needles are probably out of it by now. I'll go up to that mountain. I'll get that particular cactus because I know the needles are all removed. I'm going to feel really bad for the TSA agent that has to <laughs> check your bag. Are you going to check that? That like I don't know how you do that. I'll let you know if I make it through. All right. Well, why don't we call that a wrap for this week? Uh, make sure to find us uh, where we are next week. We'll keep you updated online. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.